You're now listening to the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here, we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. I hope everybody had a happy new year and a great holiday season and are ready to crush 2022. Uh, Your host, Thomas Costelli here, and we're joined with Justin Shore, one of the senior advisors here at the Real Estate CPA, who will be filling in as co-host for Brandon. In today's episode, we're going to discuss whether or not landlords should establish a home office. Believe it or not, we get a lot of questions about this topic. And there is some confusion out there in the real estate community, and we're hoping to clear that up today. But before we dive right in, we all know minimizing taxes is essential to growing your portfolio. However, another important aspect of growing your portfolio is making sure you have the right accounting system in place. And while there are plenty of general business accounting software options out there, they're not designed for landlords managing rental properties and can feel clunky and overly complex. Landlord Studio, on the other hand, is designed specifically for do-it-yourself landlords. They offer a full suite of tools designed to help landlords save time with their income and expense tracking, as well as property management tasks like rent collection, rental listings, lease management, and tenant screening. One thing I found particularly impressive was its ability to connect bank accounts to view and reconcile transactions from inside the software. And by using Landlord Studio's mobile app, you can digitize your receipts and the software automatically lifts and imports the receipts details. Landlord Studio is also a great way to stay tax compliant, particularly as they offer a number of different financial reports, including Schedule E, where rental properties are reported on your Form 1040. You can learn more about Landlord Studio by heading to www.landlordstudio.com CPA. Again, that's landlordstudio.com CPA. We'll drop that link in the show notes below, but for now, we'll jump right into today's episode. All right, so diving right in here, we're going to talk about do landlords actually qualify for the home office deduction? I think the answer, of course, it, it depends. It, it depends on whether or not your uh, rental activity is rising to the level of a trader business. Right, right, right. So not all activities rise rise to what's known as a Section 162 trade or business, which for our purposes here, we can just consider that your normal, just a normal trade or business or a Section 212 activity, a 212 activity, which is basically an, an activity that generates income, but is not a trader business. And to make a long story short, trades or businesses can claim a home office. If you don't have a business, then you can't take the home office deduction for the most part. And I think what, what it comes down to is whether or not your rental activity rises to that level or trader business, or if it's more or less an investment that you don't really play much of a role in, then in those cases, for the most part, you're not going to be able to take the home office deduction. And the good news is here is we have this all backed up by a case. So the case was Curfee versus Commissioner. And to make a long story short, he was a doctor. And what he did, he owned six rental properties and he self-managed these properties. So that means that he was responsible for furnishing some of these properties, as well as finding tenants, coordinating repairs and maintenance, the typical type of things that you would see a property manager do. And because he was able to self-manage these properties, the tax court ultimately found that it rose to the level of a trader business. And therefore, he was granted 
a home office deduction. So that's good news for landlords. If you are basically managing your property and you're taking a basically playing an active role, there's a good chance it's going to rise to a level of a trader business. But of course, you're going to want to discuss that with your own tax advisors just to make sure, because there really is no bright line test. Assuming your rental activity rises to the level, level of a trader business, the next question is whether or not you should actually take a home office deduction, or do you actually get the deduction itself. Yeah. And, you know, one of the issues that commonly comes up and I've heard uh, like a lot of our clients will even kind of bring up is, oh, I, I don't take that deduction or be because, um, you know, I, I've been told that uh, I'm not going to be able to anyways, because thanks to depreciation, my properties are, uh, are, are producing a tax loss. So I'm not going to be able to take the deduction anyways. So, you know, they kind of have this, uh, then what's the point? You know, right. if, it, if, I, if I can't take it anyways. And so they're kind of, you know, first fallacy there. Yeah, yeah you may not be able to take that deduction in, in the current year. It's, it's going to get carried forward into, into future years as well. But the other thing, the other kind of component or the detail with this is that even if you're not able to take that deduction, the fact that it is being paired so closely with enabling you to take more of your travel deductions that are low, related to your local area, it can still be very significant. So it could still be basically opening the door or opening the window uh, for, for additional deductions. So you don't want to be closing yourself off from that potential either. Right, right, right. hundred percent. So basically, you know, the home office deduction is going to be limited to the income that's generated from the activity. And as most landlords are out there, you probably are have between your depreciation, like Justin said, your other expenses, you're probably generating a loss for tax purposes, which means unfortunately, you're not going to be able to take the home office deduction, at least today. And it's going to get carried forward to future years when at some point you might be able to use it. But, but the big takeaway is that you make your, you're making your home a place of business. And that's a key fa that's a key, that's something very key because what happens is if you were to drive from your home to your rental property, which your rental property is a business location or to the bank for business or Home Depot, it's going to be considered a personal commute because you're driving from your personal residence to a business location. So that first commute of the day is going to be a personal commute. And those miles, if you drive a car or a vehicle, um, are not going to be considered business miles. However, when you establish the home office, you're making your home a place of business. And now the travel from, from your home office, a place of business, to that rental property, to Home Depot, to the bank, to the lawyer's office, wherever, is going to become a business mile and is now going to be tax deductible. And that's going to be key to maximizing your vehicle-related deductions as we're about to get into right now. And, and those details are also solidified and backed up in, in the, the Curfee case because they uh, the, the IRS was taking the stance that his place of business was where his full-time job was as, as a dermatologist. Um, but the tax court actually ruled in, in his favor on this particular detail as well by saying that you can have more than one place of business if you, especially if you have more than one business. He was a, a, a dermatologist, you know, was in that line of work or that trader business, but he also had rental properties and was managing those rental properties from his home office. So it was, it was solidified there as well as they pointed out the facts that just because um, he went to work, you know, whatever, if it was 40 hours a week at the hospital, 
um, he still had his place of business for his rental uh, operations in, in his home office. Right, right. So, so that that was solidified in this case. Also, what was solidified in the case is that the home was made a place of business and allowed him to deduct the travel. So, this is a very key case, not only for landlords but for other businesses as well, who are wondering whether or not they can deduct the business miles to and from different business locations. So, I just want to give an illustration to show just how impactful this can be. Let's say that you go and you buy a brand new vehicle for your business. Let's call it a Ford F-150. Ford F-150s just happen to qualify as a vehicle that could be potentially deducted 100% in the year that you acquire the vehicle. So let's say you buy that Ford F-150 and you drive it exclusively for business purposes from your home office to your rental properties and the related business locations that you have for when you run your rental business. So you're going to have 100% business usage in this case. And if you get 100% business usage, thanks to your home office, you can deduct the entire cost of the vehicle in the year you acquire and place that vehicle into service. So let's say the Ford F-150, you get a model that costs $50,000. Now, guess what? You're going to get a $50,000 deduction thanks to uh, your ability to use the vehicle for business purposes. And a $50,000 deduction, let's just say you're at the 24% tax bracket, that's going to be worth $12,000 in tax savings to you. Now, if you're at the 37% tax bracket, that's going to be about $18,500 in tax savings. So it's not something to laugh at. Now, the issue is going to become is going to be whether or not you can actually make this loss that you'd get or this loss from the vehicle essentially active and be able to deduct it against your W-2 or other business income. And that's all going to come down to whether or not you're a real estate professional. Because if you've been following along so far, you'll probably see that this is all tied to your rental activity. All rental activities are passive by default for the purposes of whether or not you can deduct them against your other income. So any losses from your rental activity, unless you're a real estate professional, are going to be passive, including the loss that you'd get from a vehicle. So if you're not a real estate professional, you purchase a vehicle and you get a $50,000 deduction, it's going to be considered a passive loss and it's going to be suspended and carried forward into future years when you either have a passive income, perhaps from your rental properties, or you sell one of your rental properties for a gain, the losses can be unlocked. So it's still very beneficial to do this, even if you are a passive investor. And it's even more beneficial to do it, of course, if you are a real estate professional and you could turn that loss non-passive and use it to offset your income from other sources. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other one of the other questions you get uh, asked pretty regularly on this too is, you know, uh, do I have to have a like four walls, um, you know, closed off space that that is an office? And, you know, the, I say the answer is, is no, you, the space just has to be a dedicated space you know, used for your business. Um, so you don't have to have an entire spare bedroom. Um, yes, it, it, it is going to be easier to illustrate and, and document, of course. Um, but the, if you, if you pull up publication 587, which is, you know, the IRS publication that governs uh, everything, all the ins and outs of the uh, business use of a personal residence. Um, it's, it's not even very far in. It's on, on page three, uh, where it's addressing the exclusive use test. And it's addressing the fact that this space has to be exclusively used for business. Um, the, the wording that they finish the first paragraph with says, states, the space does not need to be marked off by a permanent partition. Um, it says the area used for the business can be a room 
or other separately identifiable space. So, you know, it's, you, you don't necessarily have to have a red line in the middle of, you know, of, of the carpet or whatnot. Um, but I think that that's important because, you know, it, as long as you can have that justifiably separate space where it's, okay, this is where my, my desk, my computer, my filing cabinet um, is even supported a little bit, again, in this, in the, the curfew uh, text where they are basically laying out exactly what he had in the room. Um, Equipment-wise, like including a desk, including a telephone, um, they even went so far as to address like the closet space that he used to store all of like his you know maintenance materials, paint, and stuff like that. Um, but the, the main main point being is, yeah, you don't, you don't have to have a spare bedroom to turn into an office necessarily to take this deduction. You just have to make sure that it is dedicated for that purpose. Um, you know, and, and one of the best ways that you could probably document that, um, it, especially, is just take a picture. Of, of the room, you know, of the space, maybe even a couple of pictures to kind of really outline, okay, like this, you can see that this is definitely my, um, my, my workspace. It's not an office, but it's definitely a dedicated workspace. Um, that, that way, especially if it's in a case where after you have moved, uh, you may not even have access to the space anymore. If you were in an audit situation, you have excellent documentation right there to be able to say, yeah, it was, you know, it was off this the side of the living room around the corner, but here it is. It was um, dedicated for my home office space. The bottom line here is the home office for landlords, the home office deduction is not really for the home office deduction in and of itself. It's really to establish your home as a place of business so you can maximize your vehicle and local travel related expenses by making your home a place of business. That's the bottom line. So the other question, another question that we get pretty regularly too is, you know, how, uh, like, what can I deduct for my home office space? And it kind of boils down to the fact that there's, there's actually two different methods. Uh, there's the actual expense method and the, the simplified method. And the actual expense method is going to incorporate basically all the bills and expenses that go into maintaining a home. So those are going to be things like your property taxes, mortgage interest, your uh, property insurance, utilities, um, internet. Um, if you've got internet that's able to be you know, separated out from cable, I don't think you could really justify uh, cable as, <laughs> uh, as, as an expense of, of the home office per se. Um, but when, when you compile all those expenses for the entire year, then and that would even include like re, uh, repairs and maintenance as well on, on you know items like that are going to uh, factor into the maintenance of the entire home like roof repairs. Once you factor in all those uh, expenditures, then you would be uh, then you'd have to allocate your uh, the square footage of your home office based off of what the percentage of the home office is out of the entire square footage of the house. So you know if, if your home office takes up fifteen percent of the space in your home then you would be allocating 15% of all of those expenses to your home office. They can be fairly cumbersome, of course. I mean, that's a lot of receipts, bills, and things that you've got to keep track of. So a lot of our clients are a little bit more geared towards the, um, the simplified method, which is very aptly named. Uh, it's much, much uh, simpler. And what you do is you just uh, measure the square footage of your home office and multiply that by $5. 
uh, with a maximum of 300 square feet. You don't have to keep all the receipts from all those uh, expenses like uh, insurance and taxes and things like that, but it makes it a lot, lot simpler, a lot easier to, as far as reporting that uh, onto your tax return. And the other uh, item that this kind of uh, plays into a little bit more often too, uh, that we get a lot of questions on is this, this rumor, this idea that claiming a home office deduction is actually going to increase your, your audit risk or somehow ex expose you to an audit if you claim the home office deduction. Right. And there's no, there's no real evidence to really conclude that. Um, what ends up happening, at least from, from my understanding and my experience is people end up getting audited for schedule C. Um, and in connection with that, they end up getting audited with for their home office as well. Along with that, sometimes it's just what the IRS do, does. They they order they find one thing and then they decide to kind of see what else they could poke and prod around while they're there. There really is no hard evidence to conclude that because you claim the home office deduction that that in and of itself is going to create an audit scenario. Secondly, when you take the simplified method, it's usually going to result in you know a lower audit rate because the simplified method is really simple. You get to, you're taking $5 per square foot up to 300 square feet, and that's a $1,500 deduction. There's not that much room there for you to take advantage. Um, whereas if you use the actual method, you start taking a portion of your actual expenses well, now there's a lot of room for you to kind of take advantage. Maybe you're buying things excessively for the home office and claiming really large deductions. And that's something the IRS is going to take a look into. And if you look back at what Justin said before, you're also going to need to have a lot more substantiation when you do take those expenses and just put yourself at a risk for if and when you are ever audited, God forbid, for a home office deduction. Uh, and you are using the actual method. If you can't generate all of that substantiation for that, that's an opportunity for the IRS to go ahead and disallow it. So kind of the bottom line here is there's no conclusive evidence that shows that home offices actually do increase your audit risk. And when you are audited, there's usually a lot more for the IRS to go on when you have, when you use the actual expense method versus the simplified method. And if we're tying this all in here for landlords specifically, if you're running a different business and you're not running a rental business, the conversation is a little bit different. I'm zoning in right here for the landlord specifically. And again, because you're going to have a rental loss for the most part, or most landlords are, or you should have a rental loss, uh, the simplified method's probably going to be the route to go uh, just because you're not going to be getting, you're not going to be getting a tremendous benefit from the home office deduction in and of itself. Better fly under the radar, take the simplified method, and then just really, again, where the real perks of taking a home office deduction are for landlords or establishing a home office rather is the ability to turn your home into a place of business to increase your business miles. That's really the key. And that's why you should take one if you're eligible to take one. Couldn't agree more. So I think that's about all for today. Uh, thanks for tuning into this episode. Before we leave, I did want to let everybody know about our Tax Smart Bootcamp that's launching this upcoming Monday on January 10th. It's a four-week course where Brandon goes in-depth on the real estate professional status, short-term rentals, as well as repairs and improvement deductions. We're going to have a weekly live Q&A on Thursdays. The price of the course is traditionally $397. But if you're listening to this podcast right now, I'm not going to post this in the show notes. This is just if you're listening and you made it to the end of this podcast, you can get the course for 50% off by using the code capital J-A-N, so that's Jan, 
22 explanation mark. Ready? So you have to do go to www.taxsmartinvestors, click on courses, go to the Tax Smart Bootcamp, and use promo code capital JAN22 explanation mark. So that's shift one, right? And you're going to be able to get the course 50% off. And that's only if you listen to this podcast and stay this long because that promotion is no longer in play. So we look forward to seeing some of you in that bootcamp. If not, we'll see you next week on the next episode of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.